General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We're here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission by God to make disciples of all nations and preach the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Danny Donovan, President of General Baptist Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Doing Together. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so that your church can fulfill its calling. The church is in transition. We all feel it. The pandemic didn't make new things happen so much as it accelerated some of the trends that we've been seeing in the church for the last decade. As a result, church leaders are now being forced to face realities that demand a response. As General Baptist Ministries is focused on engaging with churches, we have also found that those realities are even more apparent to us and require us to respond, since we are indeed for the church. Vice President for Church Revitalization Travis Stevens and Director of Engagement Jim Pratt recently sat down to discuss transitions with churches and in church leadership. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to the Doing Together podcast. My name is Travis Stevens. I am the Vice President of Church Revitalization, and today I am honored to be joined by Dr. Jim Pratt. He said, make sure to call him doctor. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> he said, make sure that I get that in, so I made sure to do that. And today we are going to be talking about transitions. And when we talk about transitions, um, it can be used in a variety of different ways. I looked up the definition, and really the definition is a change from one thing to the next. And man, we have seen so much transition over the last few years. Um, Jim, tell us about some of the transition we've just seen within uh, our churches over the last couple of years. What have they been going through? I've just... Uh, my, I've it's been easy, used, right? Oh, it's been super easy. I'll give an example. My son-in-law, he uh, transitioned from a worship pastor to lead pastor December of uh, 2019. And then... Um, this thing called COVID happens in March, and he said, you know, there's there's no one to talk to about this. And so so here's a new pastor um, sharing the same thing with pastors that have been in the pastoral ministry for 40-plus years, and um, mask or no mask, um, be too afraid to, sh- to go anywhere, except for Walmart, of course, or not, and then throw in the wonderful presidential election that went off so smoothly yeah. in the fall of, of 2020, and so it was. The church was um, never more divided in some ways, and in reality, should have been more unified. And so, um, pastors just no matter what they did, some of them even in their own homes, you know, not sure uh, which way to go. Um, should I, should I just trust God and we're going to meet and we're going to hug and we're going to do whatever we want, or should we listen to the experts? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so it's been a, been a challenge for new pastors and pastors. Pastors that were close to retirement age, um, retirement is looking a whole lot more um, enticing now. And so I think that's it's just been uh, it's been crazy. Um, you have teachers in the congregation with the whole educational um, challenges with uh, going yeah. going virtual and those kind of things. It was just crazy. Not just then teachers, parents. Parents, uh, oh, parents having um, to having their kids at home with them. Our our. Uh, our daughter's going to be 30 this June, and Chris and I said if this would have happened when she was at home, um, we wouldn't have made it. Yeah, um, I've been in education for a number of years, but I couldn't homeschool my daughter. And so uh, hats off to parents who were, who were able to do that. But it, it's just been, um, been a challenge to, uh, to navigate these, these years. 
Uh, no one saw it coming. No one knew how to deal with it. And um, change is nothing new for the church, but this was one that, that uh, caught everyone by surprise. And so it's been it's been a challenge for, for pastors and pastors that have uh, stood the test. And I mean, I really, really respect them. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, so that's what we're going to be talking about a lot today. And we're going to uh, kind of discuss two different types of transitions. We'll be discussing pastoral transitions like we've been talking about a lot. And we're talking about, uh, also we're going to talk about church transitions and what, what that looks like. And so let's start off with just the pastoral transitions. And so um, what are some reasons maybe that, Jim, that you've been hearing about, like uh, of the reasons why pastors may be either transitioning to uh, new churches during this time or over the last couple of years, or they may be even transitioning out of full-time ministry altogether. Like I read a statistic uh, not too long ago, I think it was a Barna survey that they had done, and they re- revealed, I think, something like 29% of pastors were considering leaving full-time ministry. Uh, so what are some of the reasons that you've been hearing about? I think um, for some, getting getting close to that retirement age and just deciding to, to go ahead and retire. For others, um, they feel like they've they've taken the church as far as they can, and so they want to go to a to a new location. General Baptist circles, I think our average amount of time a pastor stays now is probably four to six years. And so uh, the running joke used to be they would leave every two years because that's all the sermons they have. But I don't <laughs> think we have any pastors like that now. But I, but I think that's part of it. I think also um, we are congregational controlled, which means that the congregation votes on everything, uh, votes on voting kind of thing. And I think uh, some pastors have, have, uh, have been voted out. Some have yeah. been felt forced out. And that's a, it's a sad time. I experienced something similar to that a number of years back, and it uh, it it uh, it just challenges you and your self worth, if you will. And so I think that's been part of it with pastors. Uh, some some have wanted to go from from bivocational to full time, and so there's there's been a few things such as that. But I but I think um, just just desire to 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 start all over in a sense. Yeah, I think has been a challenge for some of the pastors that they've tried to. to just maybe, maybe if we change locations, things will get better, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's drill down on some of those a, a little bit. I think financial, I oh, think absolutely. certainly goes along with that. I think what we've seen uh, over the last few years, for some churches, anyways, is that um, attendance has maybe been down. Uh, with attendance being down, giving has been down in several churches, and so uh, churches that maybe even before the pandemic they uh, could afford to have a full time pastor, or, right. or now they can't afford, and so they're having to, you know, try to do bivocational for somebody, and maybe that doesn't work, or even it's maybe they went from full-time or bivocational to now where they can't afford to pay the pastor at all um, because of what's happened. So I think of some of its financial issues. Um, I think, like you said, I think some people, because of the transition, because of all the craziness that we just talked about earlier, you talked about earlier, I think some people have been pushed out yes. um, um, because they didn't make the decision maybe that people thought they should make. Um, or vice versa, and pastors, we were um, just in a mess because it seemed like during this whole thing, it didn't matter kind of what decision that you made, you were going to make a percentage of people mad within your church. Um, and, and so that was really difficult. And, and I think one thing, too, that maybe we didn't talk about as much is that uh, I think some pastors just got exhausted. Oh, absolutely. I, I think absolutely. many of them burned out because pastoring and ministry is already such a that's sort of an overwhelming job to begin with. And so now you add in a pandemic, you add in the political stuff, you add in racial divide within our country and dealing with that and everything else that came along with it. And 
constantly having different voices saying, hey, why aren't you talking about this? Or why did you do this instead of that? And I, I think some pastors were just like, can't deal with it anymore. When I, and I think throw in, uh, throw in needing to do Facebook Live, and for, for some <laughs> yeah. of the pastors, Facebook, what does that even mean? And so having that wonderful privilege, I, I would do a weekly um, Thoughts from the Man Cave for our, for our church that I'm a part of, and I hadn't done Facebook Live before, and so I was live once and didn't know it. And so I got a phone <laughs> call, did you know you're live now kind of thing? And so yeah. I, think, I think for churches that tried to do that that didn't have the finances, that's another the financial mm-hmm. piece that for a number of the churches had. And so I think uh, just at so many different levels um, that pastors weren't prepared for yeah. has been a challenge. Yeah. And, and just one other thing, too, um, before we move on, you talked about many pastors retiring. And I think within our, um, within our movement, and I don't know the exact numbers, I think certainly the average age of our pastors is getting much older. Yes. Um, and so we we're hearing more about um, pastors who are even pastoring you know, beyond your typical retirement age, you know, they're going about beyond you know, 65 or 67 or whatever it might be because, for one, they love what they do and yes. they love doing ministry. Uh, but for another part of it is that they feel like, you know what, they they don't have, you know, who's going to do it if they're not going right. to do it. And so um, I know we're dealing with um, a pastor shortage. Even, yes. And it's not Absolutely. just our denomination. I mean, it's across America. I mean, there's just a pastoral shortage. Um and so I know we've talked about it a little bit, and it was I was shocked to hear it because I'm kind of the new guy around here. But like, how many churches within our denomination right now are kind of currently looking for a new pastor? Oh, fifty plus um, that, that that we know about. Uh, some some we they have contacted us to um, to advertise through our website, yeah. church openings, and others. We just we just find out about the other challenge too is had a few pastors that have come in. So we we want to hire someone full-time that's younger, where we can do a transition with them. And, and I, I think they mean that, but they don't completely understand what that's going to look like. They spend all their years, they have a, a style. I think a church develops the personality of the pastor if they've been there for a number of years. And so this person's done it a particular way. Maybe they wear a suit whenever they preach. And this, 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 this young buck's coming in and doesn't even wear a suit, sometimes yeah. even preaches in jeans. And so so it becomes a challenge, and so so we've tried to figure out ways that we could help them with that transition. That um, worship is spirit and the truth. You know the uh, how somebody dresses becomes secondary, but for some of us, it's, it becomes a cultural thing. Even the style of music, and so for some pastors, they they want to transition, but boy, they're challenged with the fact that man, this is going to look totally different yeah. than than how it was for me all these years. And I think that's, I think that's a challenge too, that for, for some they're, they, they want to let go, but they, but they still want to control, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And, and I would just add this in. Uh, I think some churches often they look at, they think the solution for, for where they're at is we just need a younger pastor. Hire someone, hire someone. Yeah. Hire a younger guy. They're going to be better uh, able to relate with the younger generation. They'll so understand Facebook. Either. They're going to understand <laughs> it. Facebook, social media is going to come easier to them. And I'll just say um, that is not like a younger pastor is not like a silver bullet strategy where like that is the solution Um, that that's no guarantee that that's going to work. And so a lot more goes into it. And so I want to talk about uh, just kind of transition from that is talking about like if you're currently in a state where maybe you're looking at a a, for a pastor or, you know, that transition time is coming within the next year or two, like 
What are some things that you can do? And so one of them we already talked about is like, let us know about yes. it. Because I know you do a lot of church, uh, work with those churches who yes. are um, who are looking for a pastor more so than just even, hey, we're going we're gonna to let sort of our network know by putting it on our website and stuff. But, but you go beyond that with the churches yes. that way that they find the right fit. Can you talk a little sure. bit about that? I think one of the things I try to get churches to do is to, uh, to tap the brakes. Mm-hmm. Um, quite often what churches would do as soon as one pastor leaves, they'll try to hurry and hire another pastor based on one sermon. And, of course, it's going to be their best one. You know, yep. They're going to practice it a bunch. It's going to be their best sermon. And the pastor either leaves, is forced out, is voted out based on unrealistic pastoral expectations, maybe leadership, those kind of things. And so trying to get them to tap the brakes. And even um, one of the things I've done with, with a few churches is a SWOT analysis where the church looks at your strengths. Every church has strengths, but also to own the weaknesses. What are the opportunities for growth and what are the threats to your growth? And then help them work through that. And then try to get churches to uh, to hone down their list, so to speak. Um, I, thankfully, not too many churches do this anymore. But a few years back, I worked with a church. Um, they had three different prospective pastors um, preach three Sundays straight. Then the fourth Sunday, they voted on all three of them, and they couldn't figure out why the vote was thirty four percent, thirty three percent, thirty three percent split three ways. And so, trying to get them to uh, to narrow things down, have an assessment that I can do where it looks at their spiritual gifts, their leadership style, their personality, try to help them with that. Have a church that um, is getting ready to, to vote on a prospective pastor uh, this coming Sunday, and just um, so, so people understand, it's been about a six- to eight-month process. Now, the key is we've had someone that's been an intentional um, interim pastor. Intentional interim pastors are those guys that will they'll do more than preach, but they'll be with the church in the transition, but they let the church know, I'm not a long-term solution here. I'm going to help you through this transition. And so those are some of the things we talked. I know you and I have talked about even doing some community um, work. I mean, the communities change around churches, and yes. churches think they know their communities, but they really don't. Right. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I think I think the, the work that you're doing and the work that we're trying to do, even with church revitalization and kind of getting involved in that, is, is trying to set churches up for success. Yes, um, absolutely. Because one of the... Uh, one of the, it's a, it's a big deal when, you know, pa- a church is going to vote on a new pastor. Like, like we got to, that's a serious deal. That's a make or break deal yes. in a lot of ways. And so you want to make sure that you do everything possible to make sure you get that right. And, and it is the right fit for yes. your congregation and your community. Um, and I think just talking about, well, you know, how, how many pa- uh, churches have openings and stuff right now is just the need for more and more oh, pastors. Yes. And what we, we've talked about a lot is, um, and what we've talked about is that it's harder and harder to find pastors. So I think for some churches, one of the best places to look sometimes is like look from within your own Absolutely. congregation. Absolutely. And because I think, um, again, over the years, it's going to get harder and harder to find pastors. And especially if you're in uh, maybe a bivocational role or if it's, you know, we just need somebody to come in and do it on a voluntary basis. Like I think... You, Looking from within is a great option uh, because they already know your church. Yes. They already have some influence there. They already know the congregation. They know the community. They're growing up in that community. And so I think that's something that you can do as well is to look from within. I, I think so. And, and I think that, um, spiritualize here, I, I think that, that churches need to spend focused time in praying for God to, to call new leaders. I look back at uh, my home church, at Bethel Church in Bethalto, Illinois, in uh, 1975. The guy by the name of Fred Britton was our pastor. And he challenged the church on a Wednesday, every Wednesday 
to pray for God to call uh, people in the ministry out of out of our church. And the church was never during the seventies was never larger than I think one hundred and eighty people. But between nineteen seventy five and nineteen eighty six, there are probably um, seventeen people called in the ministry out of that church. Wow! And um, today, probably eleven are still actively involved in ministry. So, I, so I think that's that's part of it too, because the challenges as I'm praying for God to call people. I'm also looking internally, and I think that we do have some people sitting in our churches that that God's calling to step up, and it it, it may be going elsewhere, but it may be pastoring right there. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, one of my first opportunities was in a General Baptist church. Uh, it was Oak Grove General Baptist Church in Adolphus, Kentucky. Uh, was my first opportunity to serve, um, my first opportunity to lead, you know, adult Sunday school class, and here I am. I'm 23, 24 at that point, right. trying to lead adult Sunday school class. I had no business doing it, um, doing the devotional before right. Sunday school. Right. They let me uh, speak on uh, Sunday night some occasionally, uh, gave me those first opportunities. Um, and it really opened up my eyes to, hey, this may be something that right. God's gifted me with. It may be something that I'm, I'm good at in a way. Uh, it may be something that God's calling me to. Right. And I think sometimes churches... Um, I also grew up in a church too, or at least when I first started going to church, um, where I didn't get those opportunities, right? Right, right. because it was you were too young, and we already have people who are doing that. But I think as um, for us as General Baptist churches, if we're going to be passing the baton and we're going to be looking for these new new leaders and up and coming leaders, like we have to be willing to give them opportunities and give right. them chances. And they're not going to get it perfect. They're not going to get it right. They're going to stumble and uh, they're going to make mistakes. Um, but we all did that anyway. Oh, absolutely. And I think we need to own the fact that some of some of the things that, that we want in church, they're preferences. Mm-hmm. They're our tradition. Um, they're not unbiblical, but to say that you know, you'll see in the Bible that, you know, what time worship starts, you're not going to find that anywhere. What style of, of worship, you're going to find that. And so um, just echoing what you're saying, we have to be willing um, to own the fact that things will look different. You know, in in growing churches, things things look different. The message, absolutely, absolutely can't change. Right. But but the methodology, and I and I think that um, you know, we we live in an interesting time where the church has an opportunity coming out of the pandemic that it can be the the uh, the center of the community. I really do believe that. But we're going to have to get creative in some of the things we do. I think of what uh. Yeah. Uh, what's what Vince's church in real life does with with the Reach Center? I mean, that's, um, I mean, that's just reaching out to people who don't know how to apply for a job and help them and don't know how to cook. Those kind of things that we've assumed people know that they don't know. But I think it's the church being a light there. Internationally, we've done it for years, and I think it's coming home to stateside where yeah. churches churches that are that are relevant in their communities are, um, I think, are not only going to survive, they're going to thrive. Because the people are going to real, people want hope. Absolutely. Yeah, they've come out of these two years. They they want hope. Uh, they want somebody to uh, to reach out to them. They're 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 tired of being cooped up. Yep. So I, I think that um, the church has a golden opportunity if we're willing for the church to look different than it has. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, one other thing I just want to add: if if you are looking for a pastor, or if you're thinking about a, a transition that is coming up. Uh, we've t- we've talked about social media. We talked about Facebook Live. Like I think you can utilize social media in yes. a way um, to, to share those opportunities. Uh, again, it's sort of outside the box thinking. It may be something that we haven't had to do in the past, but uh, I think this is pretty common for most communities. Like within my community, there's there's these Facebook groups that are like, "Hey, Westmoreland, that's where I'm from." Mm-hmm. 
or, or where it's like the, these are community groups that you can be a part of and let people know, hey, we're looking for a pastor yeah, in whatever town that you're in. Um, and then, you know, get their resumes and, resumes and ask them the important questions and all that stuff. Um, but I think, again, I think that's some of the things that we're going to have to do. We're going to have to think outside the box a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. And it may go even beyond that, but those are a few ideas that uh, we can take and we can use yes, and absolutely. we're going to get this, that process started. So we've talked about kind of transitioning, talking about pastors and stuff, but I want to talk about um, churches too. Uh, mm-hmm. And many of our churches, they just haven't transitioned well either. Um, so what are some ways, and you've already been kind of talking about some of these things, uh, but why do you think that is? Why do you think churches struggle so much with transition and change? I've I've done a lot of thinking about that, and I and I think it it has to be that people want church to be one thing that doesn't change because these same people that don't want the church to change, um, most of them don't wear the same clothes they've worn years back. No, they don't wear the same clothes. They yeah. don't drive the same cars. They don't live in the same houses. So they've they've changed all these other things. But I think they want they want church to be something that that doesn't change. And yeah. So they um so they don't allow it to change. Um, but in reality, you know, the world is changing around them and their community is. And I think that it's just, they, they want, since everything else is changing, we want church to just stay the same. Um, the way it looks, mm-hmm. the way it smells, um, that's just, that's a familiarity there. And I think that, the, I think yeah. that's one of the biggest challenges that they, they want church to be one place that they can go to that doesn't change since everyone, everything else has changed. Yeah. I think there's a comfort in, in the same, yes. there's a comfort in tradition. There's a com- comfort in familiarity, like you said, um, and and we all. Um, it's not just like yeah. there, there's a certain group of people or anything like that 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 enjoy that. Like, I think the, we all, to some extent, uh, are, are that way. Yes, I know. For me, um, I, I'm I'm sort of reluctant to change it a lot of ways too. Uh, I get frustrated that the iPhone removed the home button, right? <laughs> like it took me a while to figure yes. that out. And like I'm one who I don't want to do the automatic updates because then. I don't know how something may work or how to find stuff, and it aggravates me. Well, and for me, I mean, I never had better coverage than I had with my bag phone a number of years back. So, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that I think that's exactly right, though. Yeah, and I think um, we thought, we may think that, like, it was about the pandemic, uh, that this change was, that this has been an issue, but this has been an ongoing right. issue for I think it just accelerated, decades. yes, absolutely. And the pandemic just made it all worse. Uh, Mark Clifton He's somebody I follow in the church realization world. He says that um, when you walk into to your church, you should ask yourself this question, what year is it? And I think for many of us, it's uh, when we walk into our churches, it's the <laughs> mid-90s, it's the early 80s. If we're lucky, maybe it's like the early 2000s. Uh, like, Jim, do you know how far we are from the early 2000s? Oh, a goodness. long way. A long. <laughs> you had hair back then. I, long, I had a whole lot of hair back then. Um <laughs> Back in the '80s, even had an afro, and so which may be why I don't have hair now. But anyway, um, yeah, goodness sakes, and and I think part of the reason why we don't realize how far st- in the past we're stuck yeah. is we have our holy huddles, we we have our we have our Christian, which is great, obviously important, but we don't spend time building relationships with those people outside the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so we don't we don't know what they're going through. Um I passed an area that was across the street from probably eight hundred people in apartments. And um I said we need we need to go reach these people. Uh, well they just need to get jobs. Said, they don't know how to get it. What do you mean they don't know how to get a job? Well they they don't know how to get a job. Yeah. 
Uh, they need to spend time at home with their family. I said, they, they don't have any means to do that. And um, had one person say, well, we're not set up for those kind of people. And so the church has to be set up for those kind of people. Yeah. You know, Jesus died for those kind of people. And I think um, good general Baptist doctrine, Jesus tasted death for everyone. I mean, we need to know who those everyone yeah. are. And I think that, um, again, we've, I grew up in church. I know the old hymns. I like some of the old hymns. Even uh, enjoyed some of the Gaither music mm-hmm. whenever that was pretty radical because they added more instruments than the, than the piano. But I, I, I love new music. And I, and I think some of, sometimes the, the songs we sing that we're familiar with in church, uh, for a person that's outside of church, you know, are you washed in the blood? What in the world is that? Why would I want to be washed in blood? That kind of thing. And so we assume that people have a knowledge that they don't have anymore. Um, they don't have a basic knowledge of even um, the baby born in a manger. I mean, stuff right. that we take for, for granted, and they don't know this anymore, and we're still operating like we did years back where where there was a basic knowledge of Christianity that, that it's not there anymore. Yeah, even just uh, 20 years ago, early 2000s, uh, back then Netflix was sending... DVDs to your mailbox. Uh, I know and some of our younger listeners, uh, Logan Hensley, somebody yeah. will have to explain what a DVD <laughs> is to you. Um, but it was these discs that you would put in a you know, DVD player and they would play your movies. And um, they, they figured out, you know what, we're going to have to change. And they, uh, Blockbuster didn't figure it out, no, right? That's right. Blockbuster didn't who's figure blockbuster? it out. Who's Blockbuster? Yeah. Who's Blockbuster, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of us probably still have our Blockbuster yeah. card in our wallets. Um, but yeah, Blockbuster goes bankrupt, they go out, Netflix sees that streaming is the future, and so they start streaming, Netflix becomes huge. Um, in, in 2000, only 40% of America was on the internet. Uh, now, 90% of us have access to the internet. Um, Facebook launched 2004. Uh, 2006, I got married. Actually, my life changed drastically. Uh, for the better. For the better. For the better. Of course, for the better. Yeah. 2007, the iPhone came out, and, uh, and it's just our world... And not just has it has it changed um, has it changed over the last, but it's changing quicker yes. than ever before, right? The, the change um, just yes, in this absolutely. last twenty years versus the previous probably fifty been years phenomenal. has been phenomenal. Phenomenal at how much has changed and how much it's changed sort of our pace of life and everything about it. Our lives have drastically changed, and many of our churches they still. They kind of act like they did 20 years ago or 40 years ago or, or longer. <laughs> um, uh, do you yes. remember, and uh, I know you probably do because you're uh, quite a bit older than me. Um, but I look young. You said you look you younger. Yes, uh, yeah, I never would have guessed it. I, I never would have guessed good, it. But good, do you good, remember you. They, uh, things called encyclopedias? Yes, yes. Uh, encyclopedia ex- Britannica. Explain that for our younger audience. You could get a full volume set of encyclopedias with all kinds of current information obviously by the time they were printed it wasn't current because it was two or, two or three years old but um a lot of good information for research papers for school how many books are we talking here in this set of encyclopedias oh uh, a good set probably 20 to 30 you're gonna have to clear off oh, storage yeah. space but, to keep but they look good now, the good part if anybody that still has encyclopedias that you can't use anymore they're usually hardback um, you can level a table with them <laughs> if you think like that now, but 
Yeah, you had to. You had to. And they, a lot of, and they cost a significant, a significant amount, a few hundred dollars, which yes. back in the now like, my set what, that I 80s, got, my, my dad was an auctioneer, so we got them from an auction. So so we got a gently used set of encyclo- uh, Encyclopedia Britannica that we kept for years. That yeah. a lot of good information. All right, but now today, oh goodness, uh, would you it, ever recommend no. a college student go out and buy a set of encyclopedias no. to use? No, and, and why and, would and, you not do that? Because information is is instant now. I uh, worked for a number of years at Oakland City, and um, it drove some of the professors crazy how quick these students were getting their information. Um, even even using some online resources uh, that that included books that are had been out of print for a hundred years, and the teacher said, "You can't use that; it's out of print." But it but it's information, so it's information is so instantaneous now. So why why use a method yep. for doing your research? That was effective 20, 30 years ago. That's not effective now. And I think that you can make that transition with with uh, different types of ministry methods. Why use a method that was effective 30 years ago that's not effective now? Yep. Yep. The way we consume information oh, now is totally different. I mean, I've got a grandson, one's almost five, one's almost three, third grandson coming this June. And, um, I mean, they're teaching me how to do technology. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they're born knowing technology now. And so yeah. I think either... Either we can get on board with it, or else we can die as churches. I mean, yeah. it's just kind of blunt, but I think that's just how, where we're at. Yeah, I'd love to share one more metaphor. I, I like the show on the Discovery Channel. It's called uh, Gold Rush. I don't know if any of uh, anybody's ever seen it, but basically the premise is uh, they follow around these people in um, the Klondike part of Canada and upper regions and part of Alaska, and, and they're you know gold miners, and they have these huge trucks, huge. Um, um, dump trucks, all this type of stuff that they, just giant equipment, millions and millions of dollars worth of equipment, um, drills, all this type of stuff. And they'll dig tons and tons and tons of dirt um, to get gold. And, and so and so it's really neat watching it and it's enjoyable watching it because it's like, it's really cool. But if me and you were to go to Alaska with just a pickaxe and a shovel like <laughs> they used to do, you know, 150 years ago, whenever the gold rush actually happened, like how would that work out for us? What what would happen to us if we if we did it and try to do it? It would be a it? bonding time for us. It would maybe. be a very bonding time. <laughs> yes, no. but uh, it wouldn't be effective. We yeah, yeah we we would uh, if we left our jobs and said we're going to be gold miners, we're going to take our pickaxe and shovel, and we're going to rely on the Lord and to, to make trust it. and believe, and we're you can do trust it. That's and right. That's right. And I mean, we would we probably come back divorced or wives yes. would kill yes. us um, because we don't have the right tools right. to get That's the right. job done. And the mission is the same, right? Absolutely. We, we go up there. Uh, we're trying to find gold, just as these other guys are trying to find gold. The mission is the same for everyone, um, but we want to get gold out of the ground. But our methods are no longer right. the best way to do that. And, and I think, and pastors are less. I don't think pastors necessarily need to work harder. Yeah, I think they need to work smarter. Yeah, you know, and and not be afraid of of new methods. Not be afraid to lean in on some of the younger people in your church. Like, okay, help me out here. Yeah, and and I think they would enjoy that. I think we were at a conference recently where it talked about even some young adults are, are connecting with their grandparents again. You know, I think that that's that possibility. And I think that uh, I I get defensive um, whenever I hear people say young people are just lazy; they don't want to do anything, and that's just not true. Right. If they don't see value, they're not going to do it. You can talk to your blue in the face. I mean, when I worked at Open City, I took a group of uh, 
anywhere from 10 to 20 college students each year to Honduras. They worked hard because they believed in the mission. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I don't think we do ourselves any, uh, any justice or them any justice when we say, well, they just won't try it. They're just lazy. Not true. Um, they see through, you know, doing things just because we we do things, it's not enough for them. Yep. But, but what's the value in it? Yep. Or we'll, or we'll say things like, well, you know, the world is changing, culture has changed, nobody wants to go to church anymore, nobody cares about the gospel anymore. And I think just to kind of play back on that analogy, like we can, we can do that, we can make excuses, we can say, well, the ground's too hard, uh, you know, and that's why we're not getting in gold. Or we can give up, go do something else with our lives, you know, or we can commit ourselves to getting the right tools, learning the right yes. methods um, that are currently working, right? right, in order so we can accomplish our mission. I think that's what church revitalization is all Absolutely. about. Um, if anybody's interested in that, they can certainly reach out to us, reach out to me. Um, well, and and I, I mean this as, as lovingly as I can. I, th- I think that sometimes um, in our selfishness, I might say laziness, we just say, well, um, we're the faithful ones. Right, yes. We're, we're the faithful ones. And I can't help but but believe the Bible. Acts one eight says, "After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth." If we're not being His witnesses, then I think it's implied we're not being led by His Spirit. We're we're being led by comfortableness. We're being led by tradition. All, all this kind of things. Not, nothing that's necessarily wrong with that, but um, the church is more than a than a social agency. Mm-hmm. It has to be led by the one who died for it, by Christ. You know, we have to be led by God's Spirit. And when we are, um, God gets us out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And we, we, we do new things. We try new things. We think outside the box. Yeah. And I think that God blesses our obedience. Yeah. Um, God's not satisfied when, we, when we're not doing anything. Right. Sit soaking sour, as the old-timers used to call it. Um, so we, we have to be willing to... Uh, to risk reputation. Um, I mean, is, is Jesus worth it? And we say he is. Um, do, do we believe that uh, we die, we go to heaven or hell? Yeah. Um, boy, that's, that should uh, challenge us to, to do what we can to reach as many people as we can. Right. Um, again, not watering down the gospel, but... Uh, not just Jesus, accomplishing the Great oh, Commission. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus used a variety of methods. If he was around, you know, when he, he was getting a drink of water at a well, he, he talked water. Uh, he was around farmers, he talked farming. He did what he, he used different methods yep. to reach the people. Yep. But he spent time with people, and I think that's what we have to do. Um, obviously, we want to live holy lives, but not holier than thou lives. Yep. And I think that we have to be, we have to be intentional in, um, in reaching out to others and befriending others and just uh, giving them the, the time of day, spending time just listening to them. We don't have to have all the answers, but we can point to the one who does. And I think that we, I think we just have to care enough about people outside the walls of the church. And, um, you know, a lot of our churches, uh, I'm afraid that, that they don't reflect the community around the churches. People will drive for miles to the church um, with blinders on, and there's all kinds of people in that community yep. that see them drive past them every day going to this church that's so important, but not even talking to them about the, the reason why that they go to this church kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The opportunities are all around right. us. The uh, the Great Commission doesn't change. We're no. to go out into all the world, and make disciples, right? And I think if um, 
Like we just have to be honest with ourselves yes. is, is that happening or is that not? Have we, have we lost our focus? Right. And, uh, and if it's not happening, then how can we, right. what can we change? Right. What can we do differently uh, that we can't accomplish that? Um, and so again, that's what church revitalization yes. is all about. Yes. That's what church engagement is about. Yes. And so if we can help in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out to us, send us an email, send us a phone call. Uh, again, my name is Travis Stevens. And I want to say, say thank you to Dr. Jim Pratt for joining me today on this podcast. And thank you all for listening. Thank you. I want to thank Travis and Jim for sharing with us on this episode of the podcast. Let me reiterate that we are here for churches and leaders that are in transition and that need someone to come alongside them for support. So I would encourage you to reach out to Jim Pratt at jim.pratt at generalbaptist.com or call us at the headquarters office at 573-785-7746. There's anything we can do to come alongside you and help. Also, I encourage you to pray that our churches and leaders will remain faithful and follow God's continuing leading into the future. If you haven't already done so, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to access our content and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode of Doing Together. Together.